What we're going to do over these next few weeks is we're going to look at the last words of Jesus. Okay, Jesus, as he is suffering on the cross, he's hanging on the cross, he utters seven phrases that should be some of the most famous words on the planet. And today we're going to look at the first one. We're going to start in Luke chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, you're going to look up on the screen or, or uh, punch your iPhone, whatever. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 and 33. And I'll be reading out the NIV version. But the Bible says that there's two other men. And both of them are criminals. And they were also to be executed. And they came to the place called the Skull, Golgotha where they crucified Jesus along with the criminals. All right, now press the pause button real quick here. Where they crucified Jesus along with the criminals. And and let's pause and let's review what has led us to this point. What has brought Jesus to this point? God gave us Jesus Christ. He gave his son Jesus to be born of a virgin Mary. And what did Jesus do? Well, he lived the perfect sinless life. And he completely fulfilled the will of God for his life. And when you study his life stories, they are completely amazing. This guy never did anything wrong. He loved everyone. He loved the ones that society rejected. And he came in with this revolutionary against the grain message. He said, I didn't come just to preach the law, but I come to fulfill the law. And Jesus did miracle after miracle and changed life after life after life. He would touch people with blind eyes, and the blind eyes would be opened and they would see. He would touch people with deaf ears, and the deaf ears would be unstopped and they would hear. He literally had the ability to speak to those who had died, and they came back to life. He loved everyone and loved anyone who he came in contact with, and he preached the message of God's love in in this life in an awesome, awesome way. And even though he did everything right... He was betrayed by one of his own. Don't that make you feel better about your friends? Even though he did everything right, he had a friend that betrayed him. He was taken before a mock trial that took place at night, by the way, which was against the law, but they didn't care. And even though he had done nothing wrong, and even though Pilate, who was the Judge Judy of that day, acknowledged the fact that I find no fault in him. He's done nothing wrong. This man's innocent. You're you're shedding innocent blood. He was falsely accused, falsely tried, and falsely condemned. Even though he was an innocent man, and on this day creation mocked the creator, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and they tortured him. They took his clothes They stripped off his clothes and they beat him over and over again with a whip that had metal balls and sharp pieces of rock and glass that literally when they swung the cat of nine tails, that's what the whip was called, when they swung it, it would actually dig into the skin, grab hold, and they would rip it out and rip hunks of skin completely off. His internal organs would be exposed by the way that he was beaten. They took a crown of thorns in a mocking way and they placed it upon his brow and they drove it upon his head and he was so beaten and so bruised and his his face became so bloody. In fact, in the Old Testament, it was prophesied of him that you couldn't even recognize him as a man. Jesus Christ looked more like an animal than he did a man. They took a scepter, a king's stick, and they gave it to him as a mockery. And then they took it and they beat it. They beat him on the head with it. And they they took Jesus, they took God's son, and they blindfolded him. And then the Roman soldiers who were known for wearing these great, big, huge, that would make Super Bowl rings look like Walmart machine 25-cent jewelry. Okay? They took these huge rings that the Roman soldiers would wear and they begin to punch him in the face and they begin to mock him and hit him and they called him king of the Jews. And then they forced this guy. They forced Jesus, fighting to remain conscious. They forced him to carry his cross to the point of execution. And there they drove spikes through his flesh, in his wrists and in his feet. And they lifted him up off the earth and they suspended him between heaven and earth. And he was in complete control the whole time. Come on, somebody. 
Never retaliated, never spoke out a word to this point. There's nothing that is recorded in the Gospels of Jesus saying a word to this point. We have no record of it. And hanging there on the cross, our suffering Savior, Jesus Christ, his lips started to move. If I had been there, I would lean in in this moment. Because this is, he's starting to talk. I want to hear what he's about to say. Is he about to curse all those who have done this to him? Is he going to pray, God, give me relief for the physical pain and anguish that I'm experiencing right now? And in this moment, Jesus uttered, after all of this, he uttered his very first of his last words. And he said this in verse 34. He prayed, Father, get them and beat them with a big old ruler stick. Right? No. no, I'm my bad. Father, give them something nasty to drink that causes them to die. No. Father, let them go play for Alabama. If you're an Alabama fan, I apologize. Not really, I don't like them. Jesus said what? Father, Forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. His very, after going through all this pain and all of this mockery and all of that's his very first words out of his mouth. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Now, forgiveness does not mean, I, I want you to catch hold of this this morning. What is forgiveness? Well, it doesn't mean approving or excusing or justifying or pretending not to be hurt. It's not repressing it and putting it in the basement of your mind so you don't have to think about it. Forgiveness is a release by choice. When you are releasing someone from an obligation incurred to you because of the wrong done against you. And everyone here today has been on both sides of this equation. Everyone. We have needed to be forgiven, and we have needed to forgive. Can someone say amen? amen. Now, don't get, this is for a whole nother sermon, but don't get forgiveness and reconciliation mixed up. Don't get them confused. Do not make the two equal. One can lead to the other, but one is not the other. Okay? You can forgive Without being reconciled, that's a whole nother sermon and a whole nother bucket of chicken. All right? The first words uttered to Jesus, uttered by Jesus on the cross, have a ton of significance to us in here today. And I want to share three thoughts with you today. Okay, three thoughts. And the first thing is this. Understand that through this prayer, Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Okay? As Jesus is about to die, he's still fulfilling prophecy. Because you see, 700 years before this event has taken place, the prophet Isaiah said that one day this would take place. 700 years before. Now imagine 700 years before these words were written. Isaiah 53 verse 12, speaking of Jesus. He poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Okay, what does that mean? A criminal on the left, a criminal on the right. And the Bible says, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession. That word intercession is just a big fancy word for prayer. He prayed for them. He prayed for his transgressors. He prayed for his offenders. He prayed, Father, forgive them. And with this prayer, before he passes, Jesus fulfills a 700-year-old prophecy. To me, that is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Second significant thought from this prayer is Jesus modeled the importance of prayer you see Jesus was a person of prayer and what's significant to me is how he opened up his public ministry he opened up his public ministry with prayer and now he's closing out his public ministry what's he doing he's closing it out with prayer and who did he pray for he prayed for the most unlikely people he prayed for his enemies now if you fast forward the clock just a couple of months after this Peter is preaching on the day that we know as Pentecost, okay? The day of Pentecost had come, 
And on that day, 3,000 people came to know God. And I can only imagine, and it's a very, very real possibility, that some of the same people that were in that crowd mocking Jesus are the same people who came to know him personally on that day. Okay? And so the prayer of Jesus on the cross Listen, he can no longer heal by the laying on of his hands because his hands are now bound to the cross. He can no longer preach. Uh, uh, he, he can no longer do errands for God because his feet were bound to the cross. He can no longer preach a life-changing message to the crowd because the crowd wasn't there. But what could he do? The same thing that you and I have the privilege and the opportunity today to do, and that is take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is powerful. Makes me shudder when people say, well, all we can do now is pray. No, we get to pray. We get to go to God. We get to call on the name of the Lord. We get to call on the name that's above every other name. The name that one day every demon in hell is going to have to bow to and recognize. And every person, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that there is one name given under men among heaven whereby we must be saved and that name is the name of Jesus Christ we get to go to that name yes well all I got to do all I get to do is pray no we get to pray whoa baby we'll try this side we get to pray where's that extra hour of sleep who needs that nobody does where was I at? <laughs> the same thing. Calm down, people. <laughs> the third thing is Jesus revealed man's greatest need. Our greatest, come on, look at your neighbor and say, man, this is good. This is good. Even if you don't like it, now, say it by faith because it's going to get better. It's going to get better. The third thing, Jesus revealed man's greatest need. And that need is the forgiveness of our sin. That's why he came. He came so that we could have life. That's why Jesus said this at his last supper, sitting around a table with his closest friends. He held up a glass of Welch's grape juice. And he said in Matthew 26, come on, that's funny right there. He said in Matthew 26, 28, this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus revealed our greatest need. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. This is a significant thought, for they don't even know what they're doing. Could imply that ignorance does not equal innocence. Oh, that's good. Ignorance does not equal innocence. They didn't even know they needed forgiveness. There's so many people out there that don't even know they need forgiveness. They think that they got it all worked out. Well, I do this and I do that and I give to this and I give to that. They don't even know they need forgiveness. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what they need. And Jesus revealed man's greatest need. We all need to be forgiven. Why don't you say, you need to be forgiven. And say, so do I. We're going to look at how Jesus wants us to live this out in our life. When you've been hurt, how many of you have ever been hurt by someone? Raise your hand. If they're here, point them. No, don't, I'm, don't do that. Don't do that. But when you've been hurt, number one, the first thing he tells us to do is pray for those who hurt you. And as a side note, we pray good things. Right? How I mean, know that country song? I pray your brakes go out rolling down a hill, a window pot falls from the windowsill, hits you in the head just like I want to. Yeah. What a song. Blake, can we learn that next? No. Luke 6, 28. It was Jesus. This same Jesus hanging on the cross who says, Father, forgive them. It's the same Jesus who before that, he said this. In Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Man, this man is living it out, isn't he? Who was mistreating Jesus? Well, the Roman soldiers were. And what did he do? Well, he prayed for them. 
He prayed for him immediately. Now, if you're anything like me, someone's mistreating me, yeah, I'll pray for him. Yes, I will go to the Lord in prayer for you. Let me pray for you, right? I pray good stuff. I pray, God, get them. God, take them out. God, give them hemorrhoids. God, you know, come on. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Never mind. Get them back. I may do a spiritual thing. And I may say I forgive, but I will never forget. And I will hold this thing against you for the rest of your days. I will write you off. I will push you out. I will close you out of my circle. Why? Because you hurt me and you are going to understand. As as my mama would say, you're going to learn something today, boy. (laughs) There's a guy who got bit by a rabid dog. And he could have been treated by his doctor and been completely healed. But he didn't. He waited too long. And he said, man, the doctor said, man, I'm so sorry. If you'd been here earlier, you'd been fine. But you weren't. And so now you're not going to be fine. It's way too late. And you're not going to make it. You're going to die. Well, the guy, he just immediately began to freak out. And after a while, he kind of worked through the emotion and kind of sobered up in his emotions. And he started to make a list of people, writing names down on a piece of paper. And the doctor said, what, what's going on here? What, what are you doing? Are these people that you would like for me to contact? Are these people that you'd like to, to give some of your possessions to? And he said, no, no, no. These are people I hate. I've got rabies, and these are the people I'm going to bite. That's the way a lot of people live today, whether we want to say it or not. We don't have rabies, but we may have bitterness. Come on, somebody. And we may have some anger. and We may have some jealousy, whatever it might be. But how many know that jumps up and bites people? When we're wounded, when we're angry, when we're bitter, when we're full of unforgiveness, our heart grows harder and harder and harder. And we jump up and bite. Think about this in the context of Jesus. Think this in the, about the context of the time that Jesus was raised. See, Jesus was a Jew. And according to the law of this day, they lived in a pretty fair system, I'd call it. It was this. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Someone plucks out your eye, you pluck out theirs. Sounds pretty fair, doesn't it? Come on, let's not get our Christian mind on. Let's just talk about fairness. Sounds fair, right? I know everyone here is thinking, oh, we're supposed to forgive. I know, I see the halo, but I'm talking about what's fair. Okay? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You knock my tooth out, smile and say pretty, because <laughs> your tooth's coming out too. An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Now, not only was he a Jew living underneath the Jewish law, but he also was around the Romans. He also lived very near to the Roman Greco world where the Romans worshipped a false god literally known as revenge. Okay, that was the name of the god, revenge. And the Romans were good at worshipping this god. (laughs) They were good. If someone wronged the Romans, they wouldn't just take it out on you and get you back. No, they were going to take it out on you, and they were going to do ten times to you what you did to them. Now, notice Jesus was born in this environment. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, revenge. This is the culture that Jesus stepped into. And yet the whole time, he's in complete control, and he never spoke one word of retaliation against his transgressors. Never once did he act in a way to get them back. Instead, what did he do? The same thing God wants us to do, and that's to pray. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Let me share with you a story. I was in, I believe it was fifth grade. And in fifth grade, my dad was the ag teacher um, there at Haleyville. And uh, I loved, I got to go with dad everywhere. I'd go check animals, go check show pigs, show, show cattle, show lambs. We didn't have show goats back then because we were saved. 
I'm kidding. If you show goats, God bless you. But we, uh, and I got to go with dad and check all the livestock and then come back home and take care of all of ours. There's a young man that was in his ag department. And this young man spent a lot of time at our house. He was a senior in high school and his name was Alan Esco. And Alan was a real close friend of our families. Alan hung out with dad a lot too. Alan was, was just, man, he was dad's right-hand man when it comes to anything FFA. Anything that dad needed done, um, Alan was the guy. And so me and Alan, we developed a great relationship, and he was like my older brother. Again, I was in the fifth grade, and Alan was a senior, and so he was like my, my older brother. And I remember playing marbles with Alan, and, and I just, we, we had, you know, going to, going to hog shows and going to, going, showing steers and heifers and all that stuff, and we just had a lot of fun together, spent a lot of time together. And I'll, I'll just be honest, Alan was kind of like my hero. Alan was the star athlete in our community. Alan played football, baseball, basketball, and anything he touched, he was good at. He was an awesome athlete. He was handsome, like me as well. A lot of similarities. Um, what's his name? Luke Perry. You know, I know who Luke Perry is when he played Lane Frost in eight seconds, one of the greatest movies of all time, right? And so Luke Perry and Alan Esco and uh, when Luke was in eight seconds, man, they, they were just, you could have passed them as brothers. And that's the way Alvin looked. And so uh, it was homecoming football. Homecoming night. Haleyville got beat, as usual. But we had a dance afterwards, so we didn't care. <laughs> it was homecoming dance, right? Now I was in fifth grade. I didn't go to homecoming dance. For some reason, they didn't want fifth graders at a high school homecoming dance. Still don't understand why. I was cool. But after the homecoming dance, Alan was taking a few of his friends home. And he pulled onto the highway, which is about a lot like the highway here in Sealing. that runs right through town, speed limit drops. The highway, Highway 270. Actually, it's the same highway that runs through Sealing. Yeah. Highway 270 runs right through, through Haleyville where I was born. That's how I know I'm in the will of God here. And Alan pulled onto Highway 270, just a couple blocks away from the school, and a guy was coming home from a bar in McAllister that night, and the guy runs smack into Alan, before Alan can even gain a lot of speed, but the guy was going so fast, he hit Alan's car and killed him instantly. The, guy, the, the young lady and the other young lady that was with Alan that evening, they were, they uh, were taken to the hospital and they survived their injuries, but Alan, Alan did not. And it was a death that shook our community and shook my family, shook my dad. It was one of the only times I ever remember seeing my dad cry was that, that night when Alan's mom, Linda, called my dad. And uh, I can remember the emotion going through my mom and dad's just body and their face. And so our community went through that event, and yeah, you know, like I said, it just, it just shook us, shook, shook our community. Well, fast forward a few years later. I'm at Haleyville First Assembly of God now. Now I'm 19 years old. And our pastor, Orville Kendrick, has had some health issues, and he's in the hospital. And he's been in the hospital for a while, for about a period of six to eight months. And so at 19 years old, I'm taking on the duties of the pastor of the church. I'm preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Don't you know there was great revelation in all those messages? <laughs> and so, one Sunday evening, a lady who comes to our church all the time, she walked in with a gentleman. And they come into our church, and, and uh, they sit down. And I preached, and at the end of my message, I gave an altar call, and this young man he stood up and he come to the front. And I introduced myself to him and he introduced himself to me, his first name, told me his first name and then he, we began to pray and this guy just, just broke. I'll never forget this night, he just broke. Like he was just weeping. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen a man weep like this before but he was just weeping at the altar, wailing almost. And we began to talk and I began to, 
to, to visit with him, and, and he got saved that night, and it was awesome. It was, it, was, it was awesome, an awesome night. And after church, I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to him, and it's just me and him and the lady that brought him. And I said, hey, I said, what's your last name? And he tells me his last name, and it clicks. It's the guy who was driving the car that killed my friend Alan. And in that moment, there's so many emotions that went through my heart. And I, I, I'm, I'm just going to be real with you. Like, what in the world are you doing here? Like, do you know what you did to my family? And do you know what you did to our community? And do you know what you did to me? Do you know what you did to my dad? I mean, there a lot of emotions went through my mind and went through my heart on that day. And I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. He began coming to our church, and he was there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. Every time the church doors opened, we'd have revival. He'd show up to pray. And I would have angst in my heart. Why, why is that man here? Doesn't he know there's a good Baptist church in town? You know? Doesn't he know there's a good Christian church? Doesn't he know there's, there's four other churches in this town? Why does he have to come here? Why does he have to come here, God? And he just began, he still kept coming, still kept coming. And one night, I was preaching on, not, not this message, but I was preaching on forgiveness with all of this in my heart. And as I'm speaking, as I'm saying things, it's like I'm having this conversation and then I'm having this conversation. And I can't tell you what I said. I just hope it made sense. I have no idea. I was 19 years old. <laughs> Who cares? I was young, right? But I was handsome. Um, <laughs> But I'm having this conversation up here while my mouth is moving and things are flying out here. And I'm like, God, I don't want to do it. I, I'm not, I don't want to walk this out. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And he's sitting right over there in that pew. At the end of the message, I give the altar call. People come forward and begin to pray. And I know what God's leading in my heart to do. And I'm like, no, I don't. No, no, I don't want to do this. This has been several months. And finally, I walk over and I give in to the Lord. And I tell this man, ever since I found out who you were, I've had bitterness in my heart toward you. I've even had, some may even call it hate in my heart toward you. And God's telling me I need to deal with this tonight. He needs to deal with me tonight. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And I'm telling you in that moment, I don't want to get ahead of the message. Not everything was fixed. I didn't walk out of that place just feeling, oh, thank God, that feels so good. I still had to fight through stuff. But I reminded myself every morning, I've asked God for forgiveness and I've forgiven him. I've asked God for forgiveness and I've forgiven him. Those of you who are here today and you've got relationships that are important to you. And they're important to God, but they've been severed for years. Sure, someone did us wrong. And sure, someone was wrong. And sure, they might deserve punishment. But guess what God calls us to do? God calls us to a higher standard. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And this, you can write this down. You can tweet this. You can Facebook this. You can Snapchat this. You, whatever you want to do. But this, this, what Lord laid on my heart for this is good. This has helped me a lot. And it's when I pray for others, my prayer for others may or may not change them but it always changes me. My prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. You see, I can't pray God's blessing on someone else's life without God doing a significant work in my heart. That's why if you're here this morning and you and your spouse are fighting, I challenge you, stop and pray blessings on each other. Pray favor upon each other. Pray for one another. And don't pray the country song. Pray the gospel song. All right? Pray the good stuff and see what God can do in that moment because you can't have that in your heart and pray good for someone else. It won't stay there. Matthew 5, 43, 44, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's easy to do, isn't it? We can all do that. Love our neighbor, hate our enemy. 
But here's what God says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who have wronged you. Now, how do you know when someone, how do you know when you have been hurt? How do you know when, when, when this is going on in your heart? Well, just like me in that conversation with that man. When you're having a conversation with someone and there's actually two conversations going on. The one that you're having, the one that you're saying, and the one that you're thinking. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have ever been there? How many were there this morning? All right, good. (laughs) There's the one you're saying, and there's the one you're thinking. And what you're saying is normal. What you're saying is right. What you're saying is godly. But on the inside, you're thinking, you good for nothing, low down, lazy jerk. Right? That's cleaned up for the house of God. Right? You're thinking that. Or maybe, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you also don't look in the mirror and you say, you have conversations. If I ever see them again, here's what I'm going to say. And if I ever see them again, I'm going to say this. And if they say that, I'm going to say this. Anyone else do that? Okay, good, just me. All right, I'm not preaching to myself. It's all right. I'll go to counseling. All right, here we go. How many know what I'm talking about? You lay there at night. Oh, I should have said this and I should have said that. And if they ever say that again, whoo, I got the comeback of the century. Right? Who hurt you? Where was your broken relationship? Pray for me, people. (laughs) Pray like Jesus prayed. Pray for those who hurt you. And second thing we learn is this. I'm closing here. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. What he's saying is pray for restoration. Because I want them to be right with the Lord. Romans chapter 12, 17, 18, Paul tells the Romans, uh, he says, uh, remember, the Romans were the ones who worshiped that God called what? Revenge. And here's what Paul wrote to them. He said, don't be what? Revengeful. Oh, they know exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) You know? Don't be revengeful. Don't repay evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the reason this is powerful is because it shows me it may not be possible. It may not be possible. I can't control what someone else does. But I can control what I do. Yeah. I control what's in my heart yeah. and what God's called me to do. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, do your part. Yeah. And for many of us, we still have that chance. For many of us, tomorrow, for all of us, tomorrow is not a guarantee. Right. Maybe some in here today, our marriage isn't where it's supposed to be. Well, get up and do something about it. Get up and do something about it. Get up and do something about it. Apologize. Repent. Forgive. Don't hold grudge. Don't hold bitterness. Don't hold out. Have some grace. Show some grace. Receive some grace. Come on, somebody. Maybe you've got a son or daughter, and they're not in relationship. Dad, mom, go out there, do what it takes. Kids, your mom and dad, you, you just don't like them. You're not speaking to them. There's no real intimacy. You have one set of parents on this planet, and the Lord says, honor them. Yes. Yes. Well, they're not honor worthy. He didn't ask. He didn't tell you if you think it's good or not. Oh, where is this coming from? This is harsh. Sorry. But he didn't say if you feel like it. He said, honor your mom and your dad. And you honor them. Everybody raise your right hand. Raise it right now. I feel it. Raise it right now. Say, I still love Pastor Jared. All right, good. You got brothers and sisters. You've been fighting over Junk that happened years ago. Live higher. Soar higher than the crowd. Go in. Get things right. Father, forgive them. Don't even know what they're doing. Well, some of us would say, how do I live this out practically? Well, I want to take the next hour to address this. I'm kidding. Give me 30 minutes. Colossians, when I hurt like I do, how do I do this? Because 
Pastor, you don't understand. There's hurt here from what they did. Okay, I get it. And we're not negating the hurt. We're not saying your hurt isn't real, and we're not saying your hurt isn't valid. We're not saying that at all. But Colossians 3.13 says this. This is how I forgive when I don't feel like it. Anyone ever been there? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. How do I forgive when I don't feel like it? Just like this. The Bible tells me to forgive as the Lord, what? Forgave me. Let me tell you this. Ugly fact. You take all the wrongs that have ever been done against me from everyone on this planet, add them all up and multiply them times a thousand, and they still don't come close to the ways I've wronged my Lord. Still don't even come close. And yet, he forgives me. He forgives me. And the Lord forgave me. And this is why it's important. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And then Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is my second closing. There's one more coming. For if you will forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin against you, your heavenly Father will let you squeak by. Right? Well, that sounds good. That'd preach good. That'd sell a whole lot more CDs on the internet. But that's not what he says. He says, your father will not forgive your sin. When man was at his worst, Jesus Christ was at his best. Father, forgive him. And the question that might be on the floor today is we discuss forgiveness. Now, this is where I, I want you to lean in. Is okay, preacher, what do I do with the pain? What do I do with the pain? They hurt me. They caused me so much pain. And preacher, it still hurts. It's still raw. It's still there. And the old tower bells that they used to hang on churches and steeples, I want you to think back to them. They would grab hold of a rope And they would pull that rope. And as they pulled that rope, that bell would hit up against the, that ball would hit up against the side of that bell. Ding, dong. Ding, dong. You know what I'm talking about? Think Quasimodo, Hunchback of Notre Dame. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Maybe it's quarterback of Notre Dame. I don't know. But he would just grab that ding, dong, ding, and as you went back and forth the bell rang out the bell rang out and at that hour whether it was on the hour or at a special time when the community needed to gather they would let go of the rope but when you would let go of the rope the bell didn't stop ringing because the bell was swinging. The bell didn't stop ringing because it was swinging. It would ring as long as you had your hand on the rope. But when you let go of it, it would stop. And the longer you kept your hand off the rope, the slower the swinging would take place and the softer the bell would sound. But if you're still holding on to the rope, pulling, The bell sound would never go away. And depending on how long and how hard you've been swinging would depend on how long that bell would sound. And it may take a while for the bell to slow down until one day you barely hear the bell. Some of us, we've been pulling on our hurt for so long. Come on, this is good. We've been pulling on it so long and so hard. And listen, Today, if you do what Jesus says, and you say, Father, forgive them, and you let go of the rope, that bell is still going to hit. You may not walk out of here going, oh, I feel freedom. 
There may, be, there may be these next days and weeks, that bell might keep swinging and might keep hitting up against the side, and that sound still might be penetrating your heart, penetrating your mind, but you just need to remind yourself, Lord, I let go of the rope. I let go of that rope of hurt. I let go of that rope of pain. I let go of that rope of bitterness. And God, I'm trusting you to slow this thing down. To slow this thing down. And you may not walk out of here feeling it. You may not walk out of here and go, wow, that was good and I really felt that. But if you'll just let go of the rope, you're going to find yourself in the days and months and, 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 and maybe years to come, you're going to find yourself with that bell going softer and softer, that hurt growing softer and softer, that pain growing softer and softer, that bitterness growing softer and softer until one day it's not swinging in your heart anymore. Because you let go of the rope. God's saying to some people in this house today and those who are listening by our podcast and those who are listening by our website, he's saying, let go of the rope. As long as you have the rope, you're going to keep hurting and you're going to keep on in pain and you're going to keep struggling. Let go of the rope and let me have it. Hallelujah. And see what I can do. As long as we hold on to it, the pain will never Go away. Worship team, would you guys come to the front? You've, you've heard me say this before. And I want to say it one more time. I'll ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I'm shutting this thing down. But you've heard me use this before, and I want to use it right here. You guys remember the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace? The Bible made it clear and specific that when they come out of the fire, not a hair, of their, not, not a hair on their head was singed, right? And not even the smell of smoke was on their body. For some reason, the author wanted to make that clear to us, that not even the smell of smoke was on their body. God doesn't want us going through the rest of our life smelling like the trial we come out of. God doesn't want us going through the rest of our days smelling like the hurt that we've been exposed to. Smelling like the pain that's infiltrated our heart. He came to give us an abundant life, not a life of bondage. He came to free us, not trap us. He came to deliver us, not to hold us back. This morning, I know this is a very real message, but I'm telling you, this is a very real Jesus who said some very real things that we're going to study for these next few weeks. And his last words will rock our world and will free us to live the resurrected life that he died for. This is the road to resurrection in our heart. This is the road to resurrection in our life. And if you want to be free, you got to let go of the rope. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jared, I don't want to. I know. I know. I've, I've, I've stood right where you're at. And the truth is, some people may walk out of here going, I'm not ready. I've been there. I've heard messages and said, no, I'm not doing it. But when I finally experience freedom, I look back and I wish, man, I wish I'd done that a long time ago. Because in that downtime, in that time when I was wrestling with this, it didn't affect me only. It affected my wife and my kids and all those who are close around me. You can't swing and hit that bell without it affecting those around that's in hearing distance. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jared, I've got my hand on the rope and I've I got to let go. I don't like it. I don't like who I've become. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the thoughts I have. I don't 
I gotta let go of this rope. I need to pray that prayer. Father, forgive them. You need to pray that prayer over something in your life, over someone in your life. They have wronged you, they have, and they, they have done dirty to you. But God says, pray for them. Pray for them. Let go of the rope and pray. If that's you on the count of three, will you just slip your hand up? One, two, three. And this, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, God, I want to pray. I want to be in on this prayer. I want to seek you for healing. I want to seek you for the best. I want, I want to seek you for restoration. I want to seek you for forgiveness, God. I, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I've been swinging this rope way too long. And God, I just want to make this moment of honesty before you. I've got to let go of the rope. Anybody else? There's probably about 10, 12 hands raised. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Gotta let go of the rope. And usually at this time, here's what we do. Here at you know, this time, I usually lead us in a prayer. But for the 12 to 15 that raised your hand, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do right now. I'm gonna ask you to start praying for that person. You may not feel it. You may say, God, I, I don't feel this. I, I don't even know if this prayer is even leaving the top of this church, much less heaven. It's all right. You just put your faith in him and you trust in him. And right now you begin praying for that person who hurt you. You pray for that person and you pray this. You pray God's best for them. You pray God's blessing upon them. You pray God's goodness upon them. You pray God's favor upon them. But you pray for them. You do it right now in your own words. In your own words. God, I pray for them. I lift so and so before you. And God, I pray you bless them. And God, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to let go of the rope. I choose to not be in control and let you be in control. Lord, I choose to forgive. And you may have to say it by faith, but God, I choose to forgive. I forgive them. And God, I want you to take this. I, I don't feel it, but God, I know you're listening. I don't, I'm not worried about my feelings. I'm worried about my faith. And by faith, I choose to forgive this morning. God, show me what my part is. Show me what I need to do. God, show me what it is I need to say. God, show me what it is I need to pray. But God, right now, all I know to pray is, God, I forgive. God, I let go. And God, I give you control this very day. Come on, pray right now. Pray right now. Pray that God bless them. God honor them. God, your goodness overflow in them. God, favor sent their way. God, I'm not going to hold it in my heart anymore. I'm not going to hold the grudge anymore. I've found freedom in this house today. God, I choose to forgive. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they did to me. They don't even know the pain they caused me. They may not even know the hurt that they threw my way. But God, in your grace and in your mercy, you've forgiven me. So God, I choose to forgive this morning. I give it to you today. God, forgive them. God, I forgive them. God, I bless you today. As we continue to pray in this place, there may be those in here, we said the man's number one need is for forgiveness. Maybe you're here today and you are the one that's in need of forgiveness. Maybe you're here today and you know that your life is not where it needs to be with Jesus Christ. You know that right now you are not in relationship with him. Maybe you once were, but you know right now you're not. Or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Our number one need is not money. Our number one need is not fame. Our number one need is not popularity. Our number one need is forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And so today... If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Jared, I need, for, I, I need forgiveness. I've got sin in my heart. I'm not walking in relationship with him. And I know Jesus died 
so that I might be forgiven. And I want to grab hold of that gift today. If that's you, will you slip your hand up on the count of three? One, two, three. Anybody, anywhere? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I need Jesus today. I need forgiven. Praise the Lord. There were three that you raised your hand this morning. I'm going to ask you to just say this prayer with me. I'm going to ask this entire body, if you would, to join together in support of those three that are coming to the Lord this morning. You three that raise your hand, I just want you to know, man, God's so proud of you right now. Your father's so proud of you. He loves you. I know we're taking a little bit of time this morning. I apologize for your time. I want to respect your time. But we're doing kingdom business right now. And God's so proud of you. So proud of the commitment you're making this morning. And we at Elm Grove are proud of you as well. So everyone in this house, would you pray this prayer with me? And you three that raise your hand, come on, just let these be words that flow from your heart today. Just say, Heavenly Father, I'm ready to give you my life. I acknowledge my sin. I need a Savior. I believe you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my forgiveness. So be the Savior of my life. Be my Lord. I surrender my life to you, and it's my honor to live for you. Thank you for loving me and setting me free. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for what God's done in this place this morning. Calvin and Cindy, would you guys come to the front? Craig and Linda, would you come to the front? As we dismiss today, ask pastor if he would. He can make his way to the foyer. He wants to greet you as you leave. But if you're here today and you need prayer for anything, anything whatsoever, we're here to agree with you in prayer. And maybe you made that decision today. I'm letting go of the rope, and you just want us to agree with you in prayer over that, that God would help you on that. Come on, we want to pray with you this morning. But let me pray a prayer of dismissal for all those who need to go. Again, I apologize for the time, but God bless you guys. God's been good in this house today. Amen. 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 Father, we love you today. We thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in your house. God, thank you for the kingdom business that was done in this house today. And God, thank you for those who made the decision of their heart, those who made the decision to follow you, to give you their, to give you their life, and those who made the decision, God, that they want to live that abundant life. They're letting go of the rope. And God, they're choosing to forgive today. God, it may not be easy. It may be hard. It may be difficult. Some days it just may be terrifying. But God, you're good. And you're going to help us. You're going to see us through. And God, that bell is going to get softer and softer and softer as the days go by. And God, we're going to live in that freedom. And we're going to experience your love. So God... We thank you for what you've done in our heart today. Go with us, lead us, guys, and direct us in all that we do. And we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen.